Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert, and it is winter time. Happy solstice to you all. Hope you got outside on the shortest day of the year. I used to like to take a long walk with family or friends on winter solstice. But to be honest, for several years now, it has just been me and the dog. It's a time for silence and a time for reflection. Not a time for chit-chat. Some people do their reflecting on Christmas or on New Year's Day, but winter solstice is the end of the solar year. And then it is immediately the new year, just like that. It happened just before 2 p.m. here in the Mojave High Desert on solstice day. Because I was dragging all day long Because there's lots to do But I really want to get in the cave And hibernate for a long winter's nap There was not much of the day left By the time we were walking, the dog and I We got about 40 minutes of sunshine Before it dropped behind Nolina Peak And so much for that. Goodbye to 2022, a year that never really knew what it was about. We do get years like that sometimes. Especially after too many years in a row when just about everybody in America seemed to be stuck on the same topic. Presidents, pandemics, etc. It has been a quieter year up here around Joshua Tree. The fad has peaked. That's what everybody says. Which is all right. Things go up, things go down. I heard an out-of-towner just raging in a public place just last week about how she and some of her friends from Orange County had bought some houses around here to turn them into vacation rentals, and boy, it did not sound like it was going well. Never buy at the peak. Never buy at the end of the hype. That's what my uncle Scrooge McDuck used to say this time of year. One thing that has not changed is people still come up to the desert near the desert wilderness for the holidays. Outside in the clean winter air. And 
that's good. We all deserve a lot more nature in our lives, a lot more space and solace. Now and then, at least. Wherever you are during this Christmas time and Hanukkah, I hope your holidays are good and your new year is better. And to sort of get in the spirit, I thought I'd tell you about some interesting events that happen during this time of year. The Christmas holidays. Back on Christmas Day of 1066, William the Duke of Normandy, also known as William the Bastard, led a big fleet of ships across the Channel to England, and, well, that was it. The Normans took over completely. The Normans were Vikings who got bought off by Paris to settle down and protect France from all the other Vikings out there. And they very quickly became extremely French, as people sometimes do. And now there are five or six Netflix series about their descendants. That's a thousand years of content. On Christmas Day of 1899, the great Humphrey Bogart was born in New York City. His father was a heart surgeon and his mother was an artist and commercial illustrator. Maud Humphrey earning the equivalent of 1.4 million a year in today's dollars, and more than double the income of her husband, Dr. Belmont DeForest Bogart. Young Humphrey went to New York's Trinity School, where he was, quote, an indifferent, sullen student who showed no interest in after-school activities. He flunked out of Phillips Academy for, quote, smoking, drinking, poor academic performance, and throwing the headmaster into a pond, end quote. With no real options remaining, Bogart joined the U.S. Navy. Uh, Nobody really knows what happened after that. But they say he could quote Plato and Ralph Waldo Emerson and a thousand lines of Shakespeare by memory. of the years 17 and 58, Edmund Halley's predicted return of the Great Comet was proven correct. But he was dead by then, so... 
Not a lot of personal vindication for him. Halley's Comet was our first proof of something other than a planet that orbited the sun. And two decades later, on Christmas night of 1776, George Washington crossed the Delaware, one of history's mysteries. It was on Christmas Day of the year 1000, which was 1,022 years ago, that Stephen I, or Istvan I, was ordained the first king of Hungary. You know, I used to live there in Budapest, and every summer they'd bring out his withered, thousand-year-old magic hand and carry it all through town in a procession. It's a very powerful, magical day for kings and wars and such things. On Christmas of the year 800, on the western side of the fated empire, Pope Leo III crowned Charlemagne Emperor of the Romans at St. Peter's Basilica. And during the Great War, what we call World War I today, because we very quickly had another one, Soldiers on both sides of the miserable, freezing Western Front celebrated a Christmas truce of their own making, completely unofficial. The generals and the war profiteers were horrified to learn that men from both sides of the conflict, quote, ventured into no man's land on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to mingle and exchange food and souvenirs. There were joint burial ceremonies and prisoner swaps, while several meetings ended in carol singing and games of football with one another. Soldiers from the United Kingdom and France and Germany and Russia and Austria-Hungary all took part. To make sure this did not happen again, the war leaders of these nations and empires threatened punishment should there be any more friendly truces. And by 1916, all the soldiers hated each other as planned. It was Christmas Day of 1990, some three decades ago now, when Tim Berners-Lee tried out his new hypertext webpage system which really did start off as a lovely idea. All of the world's knowledge available to anyone through a worldwide web of databases and personal computers. It took about 10 years to really take off, and then we found out a year later, on December 25 of 1991, 
when Mikhail Gorbachev stepped down as leader of the Soviet Union, ushering in a new era of world peace. Speaking of territorial wars that drag on forever, on Christmas of 1868, President Andrew Johnson, who was serving in that position after our most famous president, Abraham Lincoln, was shot in the head, granted an unconditional pardon to Confederate troops not already pardoned as many had been through the terms of surrender or the 1866 more limited pardon. See, the 1868 pardon also covered treason, but they had to send in a form for that part. And in 1968, three U.S. astronauts spent Christmas Eve orbiting the moon. It was the Apollo 8 mission, which was supposed to be a test of the lunar lander, the Eagle, in Earth orbit. But work had fallen behind on the lander, so NASA improvised and said... Well, let's just go orbit the moon. Which, well, nobody had ever done anything like that before. Astronauts Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and William Anders became the first human beings to leave Earth's orbit to orbit the moon to see the dark side of the moon. And they were the first people to see the whole Earth from space. And then they read from Genesis and the Bible. You could do that kind of thing then. It was a different time. And let there be a ferment in the midst of the water. And let it 
1960s, the blue-collar Space Center employees. I guess they were slacking off so much that NASA had to make about a dozen major breakthroughs on that mission. And yet they never thanked my dad that I'm aware of. in a place they would give the unpleasant name of Death Valley. A Methodist preacher from Ohio named James W. Breyer, his wife Juliet, and their three young sons aged nine, six, and four, were among those who were later called the Lost 49ers. Fearing the fate of the Donner Party and the Sierra Nevada snows just a couple of years prior, the Briars had seen, and here I quote from Death Valley National Park's archive, curious hand-sketched trapper's map leading directly to the gold diggings and purporting to shave about 500 miles off the overland trip. The captain of the Briar's wagon train, a Mormon frontiersman named Jefferson Hunt, tried to dissuade them from trying the mysterious route. 
49er William Manley reported years later that Hunt, quote, very much doubted if a white man ever went over it and that he did not consider it at all safe for those who had wives and children in their company to take the unknown road. Gentlemen, Captain Hunt exclaimed, All I have to say is that if you take that route, you will all be landed in hell. But the Reverend Briar did not fear hell, so he helped persuade other families to join his, along with several parties of single young men in trying the shortcut. On October 9 of 1849, near today's town of Enterprise, Utah, some 80 wagons peeled off the old Spanish trail and headed due west into the untracked barrens. Within a few days, most of those wagons turned around and rejoined Jefferson Hunt's wagon train on the old Spanish trail, reaching Los Angeles about seven weeks later. The Briars and three other families and a number of the single men blundered on little imagining that they would become known to history as the Lost 49ers. Starvation, desperate thirst, and exhaustion plagued the immigrants as they struggled and straggled through the barren wastelands of southern Nevada. They splintered into at least six groups to try different directions, parting and sometimes remerging and parting again along the way. Some slaughtered some of their oxen, burned their wagons in the cook fires, abandoned their belongings, and continued on foot. The youngest briar child, barely out of toddlerhood, had to be carried. The middle son, John, remembered, After many days of bitter travel, we reached the Amargosa and camped in the dry channel counting ourselves fortunate to find a muddy pool of water. The end of the next day, December 23rd, found us with our canteens empty at the summit of a pass where there was no water, no grass, no fuel. The following morning on Christmas Eve, the Reverend Briar spotted a green oasis in the distance. All day, the little party hurried toward it, desperate for water. They finally reached the springs, one hot and one cold, around three o'clock on Christmas morning. Today, that spot is within Death Valley National Park, located at the mouth of Furnace Creek Canyon, and it's known as Travertine Spring. And this part comes from the newspaper The San Francisco Called, December 25th of 1889. The headline reads, Our Christmas Amid the Terrors of Death Valley. This was a Christmas none could forget, said Juliet Breyer, then in her 80s. 
My little ones had no thoughts of Santa Claus that year. The men killed an oxen for our Christmas, but its flesh was more like poisonous slime than meat. There was not a particle of fat on the bones, but we boiled the hide and the hoofs for what nutriment they might contain. We also cooked and ate the little blood there was in the carcass. I had one small biscuit, but we had plenty of coffee, and I think it was that which kept us alive. Music and singing? My, no, we were too far gone for that. Nobody spoke very much, but I knew we were all thinking of home back east and all the cheer and good things there. One of the single 49ers, William Manley, wrote that none of us knew exactly where we were, nor when the journey would be ended, nor when substantial relief would come. Prospects look dismal without water, grass for the oxen, and Christmas was a day of sorrow. Thirteen immigrants lost their lives on that detour. William Manley and a companion eventually emerged from Death Valley and made their way to a Spanish rancho. And then they headed back to help the others who were waiting in the desert. On February 12th of 1850, the Briars and some of the single 49ers walked up to the same rancho and they were taken in by its kind and generous owners. Altogether, their shortcut had taken them about four months to complete. From Amboy to Zizix and across the great Mojave wilderness and beyond, this is Desert Oracle Radio, broadcasting from Joshua Tree on KCDZ 107.7 FM, Friday nights from 10 to 11. That's because we have two episodes in a row here in the high desert. Happy solstice and Christmas and Hanukkah to our friends everywhere. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting this program on DesertOracle.com and Patreon.com. And thanks for your patience of Job, if you're a subscriber to our periodicals, which has revealed in the winter 2023 issue of Alta Journal, will be waking up from their long nap. As soon as I work out the details with the new printing plant, immediately after the New Year's holiday, I'm going to turn on the subscriptions again. So you'll be able to subscribe if you want at DesertOracle.com, but not until I know the day and the hour, etc. If you're lucky enough to be spending the holidays anywhere in the desert, especially in the Mojave where it's reasonably warm compared to the rest of the country, I hope you get out, enjoy it. 66 on Christmas Day in Joshua Tree. 
44 or so at night, cold enough for a fire, but not cold enough to worry about it. Good night from the voice of the desert. <laughs>